0: Welcome to another inspirational message by Pastor Ron Hammonds, Senior Pastor at Golden Triangle Church on the Rock in Beaumont, Texas. For more information about Church on the Rock and Ron Hammonds Ministries, visit cotr.com. Well, today while I was worshiping in first service, I heard the Spirit of God again speak to me. You might say, God speaks to you? I would say to you, you mean He doesn't speak to you? I know he does. You just may not quite have understood that voice that's trying to invade your moment yet. You may not have identified it as the living God that's trying to encourage you or trying to give you a little direction or a little wisdom. A second thing I would say, if you were to say, Preacher, you mean God speaks to you? I would say, Would you want a pastor that he didn't speak to? <laughs> well, here's what he said to me Be the need. Be the need. And I'm just going to leave this with you just a little nugget. It's not what we're preaching about today, okay? We're going to talk today about reach, okay? But let me just leave this with you because it's fresh. Be the need. Here's the deal. Here's the scenario. In in an instant, I, I understood what God was saying, and God gave me a scripture. And no sooner had God given me the scripture than Pastor Ken was up here. He began quoting that same scripture. Confirmation. I love that. He and I hadn't planned that out. He didn't, you know, it's nowhere in my notes, nowhere in anything. He couldn't have been uh, exposed to it. And then he started after that, he started talking about what I was going to preach about uh, afterwards. How can he know the Holy Ghost? All right. Be the need. Pastor Ken started immediately after, uh, af- after the Spirit of God spoke to me and gave me that scripture. He said, you know, he, he, he talked about the, the, us all being parts of the body of Christ, you know, uh, some of the eyes, some of the ears, you know, some of the nose, some of the, the hands, you know, and the feet, you know. Well, uh, that was just exactly what God was speaking to me right over there. And then he just started, he, he just started quoting. And I said, Lord, that's confirmation. So I will get up there, Lord. And I will, I will say, be the need. And let me explain what it is. Every one of you, each individual, you are all made very specific by design, by the purpose of God. There is something that you are created to do. You're really good at something. You are great at some things and at some things you're mediocre and it's some things you stink. Okay? And you shouldn't be doing some things. And we all know what those things are. Okay? It's just that you're not good at it. That's okay. You don't like it anyway. And there are other people that are good at things. You know, some people are more administrative, some people are more verbal. Okay? Y'all noticed Miss Margaret this morning, I handed the microphone to her. Okay? That's because that's her gift. She has a bona fide gift. And that gift makes room for her. Some of you are married to someone, you work for someone, work with someone, you have a close friend or someone else in your life, a parent or a child or you know someone you're friends with, and you can identify the gaps they have in their life. Because they bother you and bug you. They aggravate you and irritate you. And you have found yourself maybe for 20 or 30 years, some of you saying, you know, uh, you know, you never get that right. You never do that right. You should do that this way. You should do it that way. You know, why don't you do it like this? And then you're, you're apt to say to them, you know, I don't think you're ever going to change. Oh, come on now. Look, look at me. That's the way it works. Because you can identify the gaps in their life. And you know you have gaps too, but your gaps don't bother you. It's it's it, it's their gaps that bother you. Especially if you have, you know, um a, a, a boss, let's say. Let's let's pick on bosses this morning, okay? And I know Lewis is back there and he's grinning real big about, th- about this subject. So I'll just I'll okay. Do you know that your employees Lewis, they know your shortfalls. They know your gaps. (laughs) They just do. Now, there are two things that we can do when we identify a gap in someone's life. And by the way, we are most sensitive to other people's gaps in the areas of our life that we're better than them. If we are better at something... Then our boss or our spouse or our parent or our friend, we're more apt to let that one thing bother us. But you know, where we have gaps, other people having those same gaps. I mean, if you're always late and somebody else is always late, y'all walk in going, Hey, <laughs> but if you happen to been married, someone that is never late, can't stand to be late and you're always late, they're always on your case about being late. And you want to know why it doesn't bother me? Look at all these other people, they're late too. Okay, y'all get okay. So, your employees know your deficits. If you work for someone, or are married to someone, or friends with someone, and you cannot, or, or, or you go to someone's church service okay and you can identify their gaps guess what that is the holy spirit at work helping you to see the need not so you can complain but so that you can be the need so you can step into the gap You see, because the ear cannot say to the eye, because I, you do not hear, you are evidently no good. How would it be if the ear said, do I have to do all the listening? I mean, I have to, do, do I have to do all the listening for the whole body? Come on, nose, can't you hear anything? Didn't anybody else hear that? Well, no, no one else is designed to hear it. And just merely complaining that someone else, some other part of our family, some other part of your scenario does not see what you see, doesn't hear what you hear, doesn't think what you think, doesn't feel what you feel. Just identifying that gap and using that as a license to complain or using that when you can get with your best friend and say, you know, they just aren't real very administrative, are they? No, they're not. You know, I would do it this way. Well, then do it. Say, excuse me, but can I volunteer to do that? Because I love to do it. It gives me joy and energy, and I'm real good at it, and you're not. (laughs) Most likely, your boss or your spouse or your friend would back up and go, you willing to do that? Go for it. Because I can't hear anyway because I can't see, because I can't feel it, because I cannot intuit it. So let me encourage you to right now just flush yourself of all of the aggravations of life of people that are not like you and realize that you are like you for a reason and you fit uh, in, 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 into a perfect designed body by God and you're created with certain abilities, certain likes and dislikes, certain attributes and characteristics and you can be the need. Stop letting it frustrate you and begin to ask and begin to help and begin to recognize, Okay. I, I am horrible at filling things out. I am. I had to apologize the other day because uh, I, I had to fill something out and I filled it out. And a and, and lady, and the first thing I did when I had it to, I said, I'm so sorry. I am very, very bad at this. And she looked at me and said, You are, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why, but I am. I began, you know. I don't know where my brain goes and where my pen goes, but it goes into an illegible, unreadable stuff that sometimes when they say, what did you write there? I say, I don't even know. (laughs) So I have somebody around me that generally says, here, let me do that. They take it from me. You know, I don't feel embarrassed. I go, thank you. And they write it legibly and and then they hand it back. Look, that is wonderful. I love it. When somebody's trying to help, don't feel belittled. Don't hold on to something you're not good at when somebody else is better than you around right there and willing to do it. They love it. You don't let it go. And stop complaining about other people's gaps. A gap in someone else's life means a job to you. Hello? Ta-da! That was it for today. Y'all give the Lord a hand clap and then... uh, Let's, let's move to our message today. We're going to be going to Mark chapter five today. And let me catch you up on our message today called reach. All right. Our message today, uh, is, 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 is in a certain setting. Many of you have been with me to Israel. Some of you more than one time. And I've taken you to this very place where Mark chapter five happens. In Mark chapter 5, Jesus has been across the Sea of Galilee on the eastern shore, the northeastern shore, and he gets on a boat and he rides with his disciples and he comes back over about three and a half miles across that ocean at that point into a northern city on the Sea of Galilee, this little town, it's a fishing village, it's called Capernaum, okay? It's the city where Jesus has chosen to live. It's the place where Peter's mother-in-law has a house and has an extra room and Jesus is staying with them. Her house is real close to the synagogue. The city of Capernaum had a big white synagogue and it was known all over the region. Amazing. Well, attached to the synagogue was a house where the ruler of the synagogue would have lived. The head guy. Well, Jesus, when he docks his boat, a little fishing boat, when he docks it with his disciples at the little town of Capernaum, Jesus gets out onto the shore. Now, let me describe the city of Capernaum for you. If, if I was in a boat with Jesus and we pulled up and this was the dock, boom. I would cl- climb up about five feet of rock and I would get up onto a shoreline. Now, the city of Capernaum, to measure it, would not even reach Highway 347. Okay? Almost to Highway 347. And, and right and left would be no bigger. And that shore area where Jesus would have gotten out, that little beach where they docked the boats in those days, is not a whole lot bigger than, than, than what we're looking at here in the sanctuary. Okay? A little bit bigger, but not much bigger. The synagogue was right in the middle of the city. When they docked the boat, the synagogue would have been right out there in the middle of that parking lot. Maybe just just outside that door, between that door and the end of the concrete. Okay, The city's not that big. And that big white synagogue is there. Well, when Jesus pulls the boat up and stops, people have been waiting on him to get there, the Bible says. Multitudes. There was a multitude of people there. You know, reasonably more than a 1,000, maybe as many as 5,000 crowded in there waiting on him. Why? Because the Bible says that Jesus healed them, and he fed them, and and he taught them, and they loved that, and they followed him. The Bible says in this story that they had been waiting on him. You can read about this story in Matthew and Mark and in Luke. And they were waiting on Jesus to get there. And when Jesus got out of the boat... Man, the crowd came in. They started touching him. They started, uh, you know, asking him questions. They started asking him to help them and to and to heal him. There was all kinds of things going on there, and Jesus got out and entered into a crowd and started to walk. Well, before Jesus could get, you know, more than a foot or two, here came the ruler of the synagogue, the head guy. He hadn't come from very far. He just came from his house, which is not even halfway to the to, to the to the highway out there. So, Here, this ruler of the synagogue, people are letting him come up because he is an important guy. And he comes up to Jesus. He said, Jesus, would you come with me to my house? It's just right over there. It's less than a two-minute walk if you were unencumbered, maybe, you know, five or six minutes at most with all this crowd around him. Jesus, would you come to my house? My daughter is dying. She's lying at the point of death. And Jesus, I know if you would come and pray for her, she would be okay. And Jesus said, okay, sure, I'll go with you. And so Jesus begins to walk with him. And this crowd is pushing in on him. So I'm certain he's going kind of slow. But with every reason between here and that house, maybe by the time he got from here to that door, maybe maybe that far, or maybe to the outside door across the hall. But it was it was before he got, you know, to the house. The Bible tells us while he's walking with that root of the synagogue, a woman who has been sick. For 12 years. Now she had been to doctors, but the doctors were unable to help her. In that day, that's understandable. I mean, they didn't have aspirin, they didn't have antibiotics, they didn't, you know, they, they, they couldn't do uh, surgeries, they didn't, I mean, uh, not, not surgeries of the sort that she would have needed, and they, and, and, and they didn't know, I mean, they, they knew a whole lot less about anatomy and biology and chemistry, and, and here, you know, uh, she, she's been doing the best she can, and the, and the doctors that she's been going to were doing the very best they could, but she was at a place in life where nothing short of a miracle was going to keep her from continuing in pain and misery and agony. The Bible says that she had spent every nickel she had, and she was not getting better. Day by day, she was getting worse and worse and worse. And so, here she pushes into the crowd, goes around behind Jesus, and as he's walking with Jairus, the ruler of the synagogue, on the way to the house, she knew she only had a little time, and so she pushes herself in through the crowd behind him, because everybody in front of him trying to get his attention, probably, and she reaches and she touches the hem of his garment. And when she does, the power of the Holy Spirit The miracle-working, mountain-moving, devil-casting-out, disease-healing power of Almighty God is drawn out of Jesus and into her body, and she is immediately healed of her plague. Wow. Jesus... Being pushed around by people and and led by people and walking with people and no doubt listening to them like he listened to Jairus and responding to them you know and 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 their needs on his way in his short little walk you know uh, Jesus stops and he said who touched me and his disciples said Rabbi teacher master what do you mean who touched you Look around. Don't you see all this multitude, all these crowds of people thronging you and pressing in on you and touching you and and drawing? I I, I mean, he said, No. Someone touched me different than anybody else has touched me today. Somebody touched me by faith. Somebody. Touched me different because I felt the demand on the power of God that's resident within me. I felt a withdrawal of the power to heal of that mountain moving power. I felt virtue leave my body. Who touched me? He was looking around. Well... Let's read this story out of Matthew 5, beginning in verse 25. Now a certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years, and she had suffered many things for many physicians and had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, If only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. Immediately the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that power had gone out of him, turned around in the crowd and said, Who touched my clothes? And his disciples said to him, You see the multitude thronging you, and you say, Who touched me? And he looked around to see who had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened in her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. This personal faith There were a lot of people that day crying out to him and touching him and pressing upon him and asking him for things. But this personal faith that Jesus is referring to, this personal faith is evidently very, very, very powerful. Somehow, someone made a demand upon the healing virtue of Almighty God in such a way that it accessed the power of God in Christ. And in Christ came a flow to them and healed her body. That's not the only time that Jesus would refer to some person having a personal mountain-moving faith in their lives. In fact, In Mark, the 10th chapter, Jesus said to a blind man, Go your way, your faith has made you well. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus on the road. In Luke, the 7th chapter, verse 50, this woman who 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 came behind jesus you know jesus was in jerusalem in that area and he was at the house of a man named simon and there was a woman who 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 was a known prostitute and and she was an immoral person and everyone knew it and and, and no one could imagine that jesus would would have anything to do with this woman uh, you know and and in, in the picture that is painted in this account of, of, of Jesus in Luke, the seventh chapter, Jesus was probably kneeling down, sitting down on his feet with his feet behind him because while he was there taking refreshments in the house of Simon, the Bible says that this woman came into the house and she came up behind Jesus and she began to weep and cry and her tears fell on his feet and she began to wash his feet with her tears and she dried his feet with her her hair and then she took a very precious and costly alabaster box of ointment and oil and she poured this perfume this oily perfume on his feet and rubbed his feet and anointed his feet and the people around said my goodness Jesus if you were really a prophet you would not let this woman touch you don't you know Don't you know what kind of person this is? And they began to complain about her. And Jesus defended her. And as Jesus defends her, he turns to her and says this. Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Your faith. You know, The Bible doesn't even tell us what her need was. The Bible doesn't tell us if she was sick or had an infirmity or a disease or was worried or afraid. The Bible only tells us that she was in a difficult place in life, that the situation, the circumstance of life had encompassed her and held her down. And and here, your faith, has saved you. That word saved is the all-encompassing concept. It's a Greek word sozo and it means to be made well, to be made whole. Your spirit, your soul, your body, your mind, your will, your emotions, your hurts, your pains, your fears, all of a sudden something happens and when you didn't feel okay before, now you are made whole. Perhaps the only thing she needs was to feel better about herself maybe she needed to escape the situation of life maybe she needed someone to encourage her or to tell her that things were going to be okay and that's what jesus did he said it was your faith young lady it was your faith that made you whole thank god And he told her, you can leave in peace now. When she came in turmoil, when she came in fear, when she came with trouble, you can leave in the peace that comes because you touched me. Luke 17, 19. One of the 10 lepers that Jesus had cleansed turned around and came back to Jesus. And Jesus said to him, arise, go your way. Your faith has made you well. Ten were cleansed, only one turned around. Jesus said to him, listen, it was your faith, it was your trust, it was your belief, it was your acceptance, it was you touching me that made you whole, more than just took care of your disease, more than just took care of your problem, more than just helped you, uh, you know, with, 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 with your sickness, you have been made whole, you have been made well, spirit, soul and body, mind, will and emotions because you touched me. Matthew, the ninth chapter, verse two, then behold, they brought him a paralytic lying on a bed. And when Jesus saw their faith, you know, sometimes it's your faith for others that moves the hand of God. When Jesus saw their faith, He said to the paralytic, son, be of good cheer, your sins are forgiven. It wasn't only the personal faith of the one who had needs, but it was also the faith of their friends that moved the hand of God. This personal faith that makes such a demand on the power of God, this personal faith, even though so many people are around and so many people are asking and so many people are reaching out, what is it that we can identify that? moves the hand of God different. It's that mountain-moving faith. Well, where can I get some of that faith? I love Jesus. I trust Him. I believe His Word. Where can I get some mountain-moving, demon-casting out, disease-destroying, worry-calming, Faith like that. Faith that changes lives. Well, today I could explain to you the doctrine of faith. We could exegete scripture after scripture... We could find the greatest theologians and follow their writings and discuss their findings at length. We could, we could uh, assemble a church council and they could meet for decades trying to discover more information on this subject. But let me tell you, at the end of the day, everyone will come to the same conclusion. At the end of the day, there is nothing that takes the place. There is no substitute for time with Jesus. Simply hearing him putting yourself in the place where you can hear His Word and you can hear about Him and opening up your heart and letting that Word down into the dark crevices, into the hurts and the pains, into the shame, into the reproach, allowing that Word of God, that healing Word, to touch you in a hurting place. You see... Touching Jesus is all that matters. At the end of the day and all of our discussions and study, we would discover no more than this woman found that day on the shores of Capernaum. She touched Jesus. What did she do? I believe her life Teaches us so much and most likely, you know, she was probably not the most educated person. There were a lot of limitations placed upon women in those days. She was probably not the most well-traveled and may not have been the most eloquent and may not have been, you know, uh, the, the, the candidate that we would imagine could teach us anything. But yet she has been teaching generation after generation after generation what it is like to receive a miracle in their life, a miracle that they need. Freedom from worry, anxiety, fear, frustration, turmoil, aggravation. Freedom from the the bad relationships, the difficult times. Freedom from the situations and circumstances of life that try to push us down into a hole. Freedom from sickness and disease. Freedom that comes when we reach out and touch him. And today she's teaching us once again What did she do? Number one, she heard about Jesus. That is very important in this story and it's consistent when we read about her that she heard about Jesus. You see, putting yourself in the place where you can hear, when you can hear the word of God, whether it's in song or in preaching or open up your Bible in a daily Bible study, whatever it may be, turning on the word of God. Where do you turn when you have a need? To whom do you listen? What do you do whenever you have a problem? Have you heard what Jesus can do about your situation? Are you shielding yourself from the word? Are you staying away from those things, the real things that can really help? Do you close your heart off, close your mind off because you already know what he's going to say and you don't want to hear it. You don't want to be healed. You don't want to be helped. Where are you in life? Are you consistently putting yourself in the place to hear more? Is your heart open? what Jesus wants to say you see she let Jesus touch her before she touched him so important you must let Jesus touch you before you can reach out and touch him she heard she opened up her heart She opened up her mind. She opened up her life. And she let Jesus touch her. Will you let Jesus touch you this morning? A second thing she did is that she decided to believe that Jesus was her salvation. She decided to believe that that the answer. She decided to go ahead and just accept and believe that Jesus is the answer to my situation. Jesus is the answer to my fear. He's the answer to, to, to my problems. He's the answer to my hurt, my pain, my confusion. He's the answer to my sickness, my disease. He's the answer to my broken relationship. He's the answer to, 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 to my bad experiences in my past. You see, that's what Mike Dacey did one day. He heard about Jesus because he put himself in a Billy Graham concert, in a Billy Graham uh, the. the crusade. He put himself in Anaheim, California. He went. He went and put himself and opened up his heart and his mind. And Jesus touched him in a hurting place where he needed to be healed. And that day, Mike decided, I am going to believe. Do you know he went to the Scientologists? He went to the gurus. He went to the hoodoos and the voodoo's, And he went everywhere looking for help because he was hurt deep. He had been strung out on drugs. He was in a bad situation and his family, he was was losing everything and he'd been that way for a long time and he couldn't see out and he couldn't see up and he couldn't even see around. But one day he decided to put himself in a place where he could hear God. And he opened up his heart and God went in and the Holy Spirit touched him in a hurting place. And that day with that one touch... Mike said, I am deciding to believe that that Jesus Christ is my answer. He has my healing. You see, this woman made a declaration of faith. She said to herself, If I can just touch the hem of his garment, she began to coach herself, began to speak to herself and make those confessions. Listen, it doesn't happen without that. It doesn't happen. Today, Jesus Christ is willing and able to save every person on the earth. But until they hear and until they decide to believe, until they open up their heart and their mind and let him touch them and until they decide that he is the answer, it's not going to happen. And he's just as able and willing right now to save anyone if they will open their heart and their mind and decide to believe that he is their salvation. She took a stand and she got a plan. She decided, this is what I'm going to do because of what I believe. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to touch him. He has touched me. I'm going to touch him. And she acted, number three, she acted in faith. That day, this little woman reached beyond her circumstances. She reached beyond her experiences. She reached beyond her pain. She reached beyond her embarrassment. She reached beyond her upbringing, her religious mores. She reached beyond her fear, beyond her lack of money, and beyond her shame. That day, that little woman reached all the way to heaven. And if she had not... She would have died in her pain having heard about Jesus. but she believed that He was her salvation, and she did something about it. She could have stopped at believing, but Mike got up and walked down the aisle. Mike gave his life to Jesus Christ. Today, I want to encourage you to reach beyond. Your pain, beyond your shame, beyond your embarrassment, beyond your religious upbringing, beyond your experience, beyond your circumstances. And I'm going to ask you to hear him today. Open your heart and your mind. Hear him. I'm going to ask you to decide today to believe him. And I'm going to ask you to reach out and touch him. Nothing changes till something changes. There are two things I want you to take away from today. One is that you've got to let him touch you before you can touch him. Open your heart, open your mind. And number two, even if you're okay, there's a world out here that's hurting and lost in pain and fear and worry. Finding yourself in this story might mean that you find yourself as the person who needs to tell others about Jesus. Because this little woman, when she heard about Jesus, she heard it from someone. You could be that person for someone else this week. Jesus is willing to save. He's willing to encourage. He's willing to heal. He's willing to help. Would you dare... Tell someone else about Jesus. It might be their only hope.